0: Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, where we deliver a variety of fresh content to help you live awesome. Enjoy the show. Engage with us online at marksdailyapple.com and on social media, and send your questions to info at primalblueprint.com.
1: Hey, everyone. Really special guest today on the Primal Blueprint Podcast, one of my favorite authors, someone who has he doesn't know it yet, but has been an absolute influence in my life and my success, helping me become successful with his words of encouragement, his books, his programs. Uh, you might have seen him in the movie The Secret, but basically, John has been in the, the head of the thought movement and the spirituality realm for a long time now. He's one of the leading mindset experts in our country. He's appeared numerous times on Larry King Live, Ellen DeGeneres, just to name a few, Anderson Cooper, and has built five multimillion-dollar companies and as well is the author of two New York Times best-selling books amongst so many other wonderful content he's brought to everybody. And now we're going to talk about his company. He's the CEO of Neurogym, and you can go to neurogym.com to find out more. We're going to talk all about how uh, his programs can help us change our brain and affect our performance and enhance our lives. Welcome to our show, John. It is so great to be here. And just to clarify one little thing, it's myneurogym.com. Thank you, myneurogym.com. And we will, of course, make sure that's corrected in the notes. How did you, before I get into some of the specific questions about about Neurogym, what brought you into this arena? You've been in the thought movement, subconscious imprinting, and then what took it to this level?
0: Well, I uh, I started out my illustrious career getting into a lot of trouble as a teen uh, where the path that I was on was either uh, I'm going to be in jail or I'm going to be dead in the morgue. And I had a mentor who I guess he saw I, – I, I met a man who became a mentor and he saw that I was a troubled teen and he asked me some questions that um, – I dove deeper into his story, why was I doing the things that could get me killed or put in jail? And my answer to him was, I don't know. Uh, and I just kept saying, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. He said, but you know better. And I'd say, I know. He said, but then why are you doing these things? I said, I don't know. And he interested me enough Share with me, well, there must be some subconscious conditioning or programming that is overriding what you know you should be doing, what you know you could be doing, and you're just behaving based on these subconscious patterns. So, back when I was 19 years old, I got into this first lesson that there's a conscious brain, there's a subconscious brain, the subconscious brain is what really controls uh, our behaviors and our results. And I just got fascinated. And so I started to um, get mentored by this gentleman. His name was Alan Brown. And he asked me a bunch of questions nobody ever asked me before. He taught me things that nobody ever taught me before. And he gave me an open canvas to create the life that I wanted to create. But then he gave me tools and resources back, you know, 37 years ago to start retraining my brain so that I could achieve some of those grander vision uh, and goals that I had in my life. And that was the beginning of it. And um, I'll I'll share some stories in a little bit, but that was the real beginning of understanding that we have two brains, not one conscious and subconscious, but we're um, not taught how to use the subconscious brain. And now the latest neuroscience research and neuropsychology research has given us the user's manual, and that's really the stuff that I love.
1: For those that are watching and listening and aren't quite sure what you mean by subconscious and how, what, what could be a subconscious thought that we might not know we have that could be affecting our life negatively? Can you give a few examples of some of those? So um,
0: let's understand that right now while you're watching, uh, you're not focusing on how your cells are dying and your hair is growing and new cells are being created or your heartbeat is beating or you're digesting whatever you ate. Um, You're not focusing on that. That's all subconscious um, (laughs) method or workings of the subconscious brain. And that's uh, one thing. When you have um, a random thought that pops into your head, those are subconscious um, in nature. When you all of a sudden feel this intuition that something is wrong, but you don't know how you know it, that's your subconscious working. When you uh, feel fearful of doing something, that's your subconscious working. It's giving you a signal that up until that moment, you didn't feel. And so conscious is all about uh, using imagination, conscious is all about you know choosing do I want this or do I want that? Is this better for me? Does this look better? Do I like this outfit or that outfit? But subconscious is really all of the automatic operating system of the self of the human being, and the latest research suggests that even though we think we are in control we 're only in control two to three percent of the time and ninety seven percent of how we think, what we feel, how we react. And what we do is based on these habitual patterns that have been ingrained and trained for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years that just run automatically.
1: You know, people don't realize that they can rewire their brain and they can retrain their brains, which is what, you know, you're you're in the business of helping people do. What are some of these newest scientific studies that, you know, in research that are helping people unlock this hidden power? Sure. So
0: first and foremost, it might be worthwhile helping people understand, you know, why do we become stuck? What really prevents us from achieving the goals and dreams that we have? So in a world that we live in today, you can type into Google, how do I fill in the blank, how do I put on makeup? How do I uh, buy shoes inexpensively? How do I set up my TV remote control? How do I build a business? How do I lose weight and keep it up? All the how-to is available today for just about everything we want in health, wealth, relationships, career, business, et cetera. So if all the how to is available, then what really stands in people's way? The number one, and it's not in order, But number one is self-image and self-esteem. So when you ask yourself, you know, do I really believe that I either deserve to achieve that look, that goal, that relationship, that income, that business, that success? Do I really believe it? You may say on a conscious level, yes, you believe it. But if hidden in the subconscious mind, there's a little voice that says, but you're not smart enough, you're not good enough, you're not worthy, you don't deserve this. If there is an imbalance between the conscious and subconscious mind, it creates chaos in the brain. So the self image of what people believe they deserve is one of the key factors that holds people back. Uh, Number two is fears are subconscious. And there's over 50 of them. So for example, let's say you have a goal. It doesn't make a difference what the goal is. Lose weight, uh, get into a better relationship, make more money, build my business. If at the subconscious level, there's a fear of failure, you're going to put the brakes on because you're going to be afraid that you might fail. So am I really willing to risk it? If there's a fear that you will try your best and not succeed, and disappoint yourself, your spouse, your children, or anybody else, if there's a fear of disappointment, the brakes go on. If there's a fear that you might be embarrassed, ashamed, ridiculed, or judged, uh, brakes go on. If there's a fear um, that you'll succeed and then fail, because you've heard about it or it's happened before, chances are the motivation that you have to achieve it will be overridden by the fear. And these happen subconsciously. Third is um, limiting beliefs. So limiting me. So I have a goal of X, but I have a limiting belief. I don't have the knowledge. I don't have the skill. I'm too young. I'm too old. Uh, I've tried this before, but it didn't work. I've seen my brother, my sister, my mother, my father try this and it doesn't work. So limiting beliefs, put the brakes on. And then the best one of all is We develop these stories, these narratives in our brain of why it's possible, why it's not, why I can, why I can't. We get accustomed to this comfort zone called our current reality. And then we must, our brain must make sure that our outside world, our reality, matches our internal stories and all of our excuses match up to keep that story the same. And so these are all subconscious patterns that are greater than not having knowledge and skills. And this is why so many people that read books, go to seminars, listen to podcasts, go to events, do not change because there's a part of the brain that gathers information and activates the motivational circuits. And there's a whole other few parts of the brain that are responsible that you have to get in alignment and in coherence in order for you to take action consistently and that involves changing or um, reducing the habitual patterns that's easy for your brain to fire off because you've been doing it for so long and you've got to deactivate those basically and create new patterns that become the new way of you thinking and feeling and being. And so this is why I'm so fascinated with the topic, because we now can go into the brain and understand how these circuits turn on and off. What neurochemicals uh, are the motivator neurochemicals? What neurochemicals are the put the brakes on and no way am I going to do this uh, neurochemicals? What are the ones that cause stress? What are the ones that cause calmness and peace? And so we're at the point now where we're getting enough information for us to be able to equip ourselves with the tools for our mindset and emotional management and control, and for us to develop new empowering habits as we release the disempowering destructive ones.
1: So well said. There's so much to unpack there. Um, I really like that you brought up limiting beliefs and also some random ones, which are you may on the surface be like, of course, I believe I deserve that. But there might be a fear of success, a fear of shame. Maybe you have someone in your... I've talked to people who had someone embarrassing in their family, were worried to become a public figure or known because... So there's, there's stuff that sometimes wouldn't be obvious that you, know, you may be a person with high self-esteem, um, even like myself. And I've mentioned this before in a couple of podcasts, which is um, extremely extremely confident human being. I, I, I really do create with intention, but I have a physical disability I've had for twenty three years. It took me many, many years to not be ashamed mm-hmm. of being okay with just admitting it because it's not something you can see. So, I could get away with that. And, you know, I can see now when I look back how that hindered so many things that hindered vulnerability, open relationships, certain opportunities, maybe certain connections, all because I had this fear of being judged or whatever it was for having this thing. Yeah. Judge
0: the chamber. And, and, and the and first and foremost, that's normal because when we understand. I always keep my brain handy so I can take it out and look at it. When you, when you understand what the operating hierarchy is, the brain, the number one, number one above all else is safety first. So what kind of safety? Well, uh, emotional safety, mental safety, physical safety. So anytime we have a fear in the brain, fear is triggered because we don't feel safe. We feel like we might be embarrassed, ashamed, ridiculed, judged. And so when that happens, the neurochemistry of fear activates and it actually sends a rush of cortisol, epinephrine or norepinephrine. These are the fight or flight response system neurochemicals in the brain that causes the brakes to go on of our behavior and moving forward. It's a stop signal. And what most people don't understand is, first and foremost, we have a brain, we're not our brains, we have emotions, we're not our emotions. And there are ways to learn how to recognize, how to utilize the tool you have better. And that's what really excites me because fear is normal. You're never, ever, ever going to eliminate fear. It is been around for billions of years of evolution in our brain. And so eliminating that is not a possibility, but learning how to recognize it, reframing it, releasing it and retraining the brain so that the stimuli internal or external does not stop you from taking action. That is the key. And that is where we are now where we can actually learn how to recognize, you know, the emotions, the, the light bulbs in our life i often I often suggest imagine you're driving your car, and if you're um low on gas, the uh, red light pops up. If your tires are low, the yellow light pops up uh, if there's uh, If the trunk is open, the uh, blue light pops up on your screen. Well you imagine if the yellow and green and blue and and red lights those are all signals. Well what if we said, well, we have emotions like uh, anger, sadness, fear? love, happiness, contempt, guilt, shame, these are all emotions that are signals that something is going on in here. Well, what if we could learn how to recognize, hey, the signal's just been activated, but when was the last time anybody gave you or me, when we were growing up, tools to recognize it, reframe it, release and retrain our brain so it does not stop us? Nobody's gotten emotional management and control training in school, grade school, high school, kindergarten, university, unless they were specifically signed up for a class that offered that, which I have yet to see.
1: I'm so glad you brought up fight or flight. We talk about the, um, her- horrors of output of too much cortisol and stress and anxiety and all of the medical situations that it causes and it could be something this simple that I give an example where like you 're driving in your car, someone cuts you off, and for a moment you know your heart drops in your stomach, and at that moment, cortisol is surging you're you're not threatened it's over and yeah. so some of this stuff, at least, I mean, I, I haven't been through your program, but in starting to be aware of these things and knowing that when that happens to me now, I make a conscious decision to kind of breathe it out and and get my heart rate down because I know that if I let that feeling go, if I call a person this mother foe, just snap, you know, if I continue that, that cortisol is just going to keep going and it's going to be antagonistic to so many things that I'm trying to do with my health, uh, furthermore, just my, my state of being. Um, and you touched on this a little bit, but could we get into like, what is disappointment avoidance? Mm, Um, I mean, is that just really about the fear of, of being disappointed or not succeeding that you already mentioned, or is there something deeper here?
0: Yeah. So let me use, um, weight loss as an example. Okay. Um, there are over 10,000, you know, different diets out there on the market. Um, Chances are that anybody who's watching this right now has been on at least one diet where they have lost weight and they gained it back. And chances are, if they're over 40 or 50, uh, they've been on three or four or five or six or seven diets that that has happened, where they've lost weight, gained it back, lost weight, gained it back. And they've, they're so tired of that yo-yo syndrome that they won't go on another diet because they're fearful of disappointing either themselves themselves. Or the people that they told they're going on a diet and they've had, uh, you know, pictures when they were heavier and pictures when they were lighter, only to be embarrassed to put their pictures up when they're heavier again and then proclaim going on another diet. So disappointment avoidance is our brain's way of saying, you've done this so many times, you know, instead of having you disappoint yourself again, I'm just going to shut off that goal and don't even try and millions and millions and millions of people in relationships, in careers, in business, in, in their health, are suffering from disappointment avoidance as something that is holding them back that they don't know how to override and create a better process so that they take action and succeed.
1: Is that repetition compulsion as well? Are those yeah. hand in hand essentially goes, bookending each it goes, other? It goes hand in hand. We... Um, we tend to
0: repeat patterns over and over and over again. So let's say you, um, you, you do something and there's a, you know, a reward for it. Um, and then you repeat it again, there's another reward. You repeat it again, there's another reward. You share it with somebody else, there's a double reward there because you're releasing oxytocin uh, through the sharing bonding chemical. Um, well, guess what you're prone to do? Repeat that pattern. Um, that's positive. Let's say you do something and fail, and then you do something and fail again, you do something and fail again, your brain doesn't decipher between you know, something real or imagined, something that uh, is really good for you, or something that isn't. It becomes conditioned regardless of patterns. It is not a choice um, um, organ, okay? You get to use your brain to make choices. Any pattern that you repeat, if you keep wondering why isn't thing why isn't this working? I wonder why it's not working, how come I'm not so lucky? You know, I'm I'm worried that I'm gonna meet the wrong guy. I'm afraid that if I start my business or leave my job or this and that, this is gonna happen. And you keep repeating that, your brain basically says, Oh, since you're spending so much time on all this negativity or failure or whatever the case is, I'm just gonna make that a default pattern in the brain and I'll conserve energy because. Earlier, I said the number one responsibility of the brain is safety. You know what the number two is? Conserve energy. So anything that you repeat, any thought you repeat, any emotion you repeat, any behavior you repeat, any result you repeat, your brain says, oh, let me just make that automatic. And you don't have to even think about it. I'm just going to have you have these random thoughts that are negative or disempowering. I'm going to have these random uh, emotions that are going to be, by the way, triggered around the same time every day. Um, and I'm going to have you do the same behaviors every single day to conserve energy.
1: It's really fascinating. Uh, they, I've seen brain scans live action when someone has like learned something, and you see the. it's just so fascinating. And I, and I know you're going to probably touch on some of that stuff, but you mentioned evidence-based technologies and some other methodologies that can really help, help transform someone from the inside out. Can you, what are those? Can you give us a snapshot of what that looks like? So
0: let's talk about, you know, technologies that are available right now. We know that our brains, you know, have different brain waves. And we know that, for example, in the alpha brain wave frequency, we're, we're more prone to learning, to be calm, to be responsive. Uh, we know uh, in the beta, you know, we could be learning stuff, but it's not activating, you know, deep levels of memory. Uh, we know in delta and theta, we're in a dream-like state or in a relaxed state or in an immune-enhanced um, uh, state while we're sleeping, and so we can use either auditory or visual stimulation to activate different brain waves so that we learn faster, we focus better, we can release traumas easier. We can let go of limiting beliefs or fears or the stories and excuses that hold us back a lot easier when we're in certain brainwave states and states of uh, consciousness versus others. And so using... Uh, a variety of techniques like mindfulness training, like meditation training, uh, like auditory stimulation training that activates different brain waves uh, or causes the brain wave to refocus on a more frequent basis when it hears an unusual sound or tone or voice or symbol. Um, using mental contrasting techniques where you take somebody who has a fear of, let's say, snakes. And then you just have them see their fear of snakes, experience their fear of snakes in a calm, relaxed state that you can teach them through breathing. I call it uh, inner sizing, uh, which is my new book, uh, inner Sizing: a new science to unlock your brain's hidden power. But when you teach them some new techniques to get into the right states of consciousness and awareness, You can deactivate limiting beliefs, deactivate fear, deactivate the stories and excuses that want to cause the stress response to activate. When you do certain exercises in a relaxed, calm state, you are now in control versus being a victim or reactive.
1: And then are you, it seems as though through that process, in the, let's say the snake example, that you would then be almost now putting a new emotion with the visual. Yes. So as to what in the future, my, my reaction, my fight or flight won't be as strong over time. It'll just be less and less. Is that the idea?
0: Absolutely. You can use cognitive behavior therapy, but, but with mental contract, if, if we step back for just a moment and say, most people, that have a fear of snakes have never even touched a snake. They have heard stories on TV. Uh, They've read stories in books about pythons. They've seen YouTube videos of a once in, you know, a hundred billion times somebody is eaten by a snake, Um, And so that formulates their belief pattern in their brain. And so they have this visual, or I'm sorry, this visceral reaction to a memory that's not even theirs. And so if you can deactivate that memory and create a new experience and association to snakes, then you can get them to overcome their fear of snakes. And so let's, let's assume you, you can use desensitization therapy as well, where you take somebody who's afraid of snakes and you give them you give them like a snake about that big you know on the palm of their hand and then you make it a little 6 inches bigger once they you know, once they get over the squirminess if that's what bothers them or the sensation of touching it you create some new associations for them you can start to desensitize them and their fear of snakes because of what they really are afraid of is a memory of something that they either read or heard or experienced somewhere else that really has nothing to do with the fear.
1: Well, I, I, I want to highlight that. That goes back to the limiting beliefs and all these other things that can be imprinted by other people. What they say doesn't even have to be one's own personal experience. And that's why it's worth looking at it because some of these things aren't even ours, right? That's right.
0: Now, I totally get if somebody says, I really don't like the feeling of a snake. Great. Then let's change that from a Fear to a feeling and let's categorize it just like i really don't like um pasta i'm not afraid of pasta just because i don't like it now we can take what is typically known as this oh no i don't i don't like snakes to uh, no I, I just don't like the feeling of snakes okay now we can lower the firing threshold okay of the amygdala and the stress response to uh, no i just choose not to like snakes or to touch them or to hold them but I'm not afraid of them. So a lot of times people confuse sensations and fears based on stories that are not even theirs. And so they adopt stuff from television, parents, sisters, brothers, uh, friends, etc., and they own the experience. And again, what's the brain supposed to do, right? If If you have heard of a close friend or family member that got bitten by a snake, which is I've never heard of anybody who's got bitten by a snake in 57 years, but if they did get bitten by a snake, that memory, snakes and your friend or family member, that memory, that neural pattern exists in your subconscious mind, in your memory bank. And anytime the word snake comes up, that's the memory that pops up first, which triggers the neurochemistry that you feel called your emotions.
1: Uh, I used to. I'm just would like to share. I used to actually be very afraid of flying, and I used to listen to you and your audiobooks. This was many years ago, and The Secret came out, and it helped me through so many flights. It eventually helped me to get off taking any kind of medication for that flight. It's not that I don't have a few moments, but what what I did is I had to get to. What was, the, what was I afraid of? And some people say, oh, because you're not driving the plane, it's a control thing. For me, it was a statistics thing. It was if this thing goes down, usually people don't survive. So if this thing goes down, I'm dead. And what I really realized is that I was afraid of dying. And I actually just had to get to the point where I became unafraid of dying and also just started to tell the story. I'm not going out like that. And my flying experience has been so much less stressful. Now, again, it's not that I don't have a moment, but then I have the tools to kind of breathe it out, talk myself through it put on something and you helped me so much with that through some of your audiobooks. and you weren't even doing this then. I mean, I mean, you were, but it was in a different capacity, but you have helped me through. So when you helped me get over the fear of flying, um, let, let's talk about the brain This is really exciting. What is it and how can it help us? I mean, I've benefited from your work so much. I'm just glad you're getting into this area of neuroscience because a lot of times people really want to hold on to the scientific stuff or it makes more sense to them in order to move forward versus some of the more spiritual talk that can just not be some people's things. But this is science and it's real and we can see it on CAT scans. And so I'm excited about what you're offering. Tell us about this brain a Awesome.
0: Uh, Well, you know, spirituality really focuses on, you know, the wisdom, the intelligence within you and all around you. And uh, a lot of the spiritual practices teach you how to tap into your own wisdom and uh, into the energetic intelligence that's all around us. That's cool. Now, the neuroscience field tries to understand, you know, what's really happening in the human brain. Uh, What circuits turn on when I look at a rose? Uh, What circuits turn on or off when I set a big goal I don't know how to achieve? What circuits turn on or off where I'm uncertain, I'm I'm lacking confidence because I, I don't know what to do? And so The reason I got into the neuroscience field and into, you know, doing this brain-a-thon is I wanted to take some of the friends that I have who are the best in the world at the research and teaching. Here's what we've learned about possibility thinking. Here's what we learned about setting goals versus achieving goals. When you set a goal, instead of doing just this, do this and this, and you're going to increase your chance of achieving that goal by 75 or 100%. When you have these disempowering emotions, uh, here's a few techniques to use to let them go so they don't control you. So what I did is I asked a bunch of my colleagues uh, if they would come on and do a training session with me uh, that usually lasts five, six, seven, eight hours. And uh, people usually join for one or two or three hours. And a lot of times they just don't want to leave because the content is so good. And so for example, we have uh, coming up for this year's amazing new Brainathon, uh, I'm doing a session on uh, the new psychology of goal achievement, and it's all based on the latest research of where we set goals versus what causes to achieve goals. Then we, you know, we're going to have Dr. Sarah Mackay, Oxford University neuroscientist, talking about the neuroscience of habits. So how are they created? Uh, how do we let go of the ones that? hold us back, that keep us stuck, that limit our success? And how do we create new ones that empower us? And she's going to be teaching a um, process called refire to rewire your brain based on the most advanced neuroscience research right now. I've got Dr. Sweeney Vasan Pillay from Harvard, and he is one of the leading brain imaging experts in the world and psychiatrists in the world. And he'll be teaching, you know, how do you tap into that hidden power and potential of your subconscious mind? um, Absolutely a brilliant individual, one of the top professors uh, at Harvard. Uh, I've got uh, Dr. Paul Sheely, who is, uh, I mean, just an incredible researcher, but also an amazing teacher on how to activate your superpowers. And he believes, and I agree with him, every human being's got some superpowers, but they don't know how to activate them. And they don't know how to really tap into them so that they can propel their lives forward. And so Dr. Um, Paul Shealy will be there as well. Uh, We've got uh, Mark Waldman, one of the top uh, brain researchers in the world, talking about how do you let go of disempowering thoughts and emotions. And we also have Dr. Caroline Leaf, one of the leading um, metacognition experts in the world and brain scientists who um, really can focus on Uh, She loves the spirituality side and the subconscious mind, how to let go of limiting thoughts, emotions, and choices. And then Lisa Wimberger, uh, also a brilliant neuroscience researcher, and she's going to be connecting with everybody and teaching some of her techniques to create new patterns of success as you let go of patterns that hold you back. And so seven of us uh, brain success experts will be teaching. Uh, we're going to have some of our uh, amazing NeuroGym clients who are using inner sizing to change their brains talk about how they're transforming as well. And it's going to be just an amazing event that'll help people get unstuck and unlock their brain for greater levels of success. And we've been doing it for this is our seventh year, and over a million people uh, have joined us for our previous Brainathons. So Last year, we had 162,000 people sign up for it just for the day of the Brainathon, which is, I think, why we're going to invite everybody um, that's watching this right now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That is um, the seventh annual Brainathon. It's October 6, 2018. We're going to put the link in the show notes and everything you know to get there. Uh, let's touch on some of these 180 success stories, people who were maybe really limited and held back in life via fear, limiting belief, shame, whatever it is. I know you've seen so many 180s. You've seen people really improve their life. Can you give us a few specific examples of some people that have benefited so tremendously from this? I mean, it's so possible. I've, I've done it myself with certain things. I, I just know that this is absolutely worthwhile for everyone.
0: Sure. So um, uh, there's a lady by the name of Kat Rama Brooks. And Kat Rama's is 83 years old now. Uh, a couple of years ago, her business, which was a, a wedding planning business that she and her husband had, was just going into the tanks. I mean, just she thought she was going to go bankrupt. Uh, no money, uh, no clients, um, absolutely going down the toilet. Um, she actually... St- Joined us for the Brainathon, discovered how she was holding herself back with her limiting beliefs because she was too old. It's maybe it's time for her to close up her shop, and how she was perpetuating more negativity and disempowering behaviors. And she realized that by when she watched the Brainathon, we gave her some tools and techniques to uh, change the way she was thinking and to change her behaviors. And in the next twelve months, she made two hundred and forty thousand dollars she took her husband on a fifty five thousand dollar trip uh fully paid cash best of their lives and the best part was she said you know what now i know i'm not too old i could do whatever i want i could take care of myself and that was especially valuable since her husband passed about a year later
1: Oh, that's so sweet. And also it's such a, what a great inspiration that it is. You you can't throw out the, well, I'm old, might as well just give up. She still had a passion for this. She turned it around. Yeah, that's one story. Um, Another story that uh,
0: um, comes up is Sonia Hatter. And Sonia Hatter was a a gal who uh, became a mom, um, uh, gained weight, lost it, but she always wanted to get on stage and, um, and share some of her life stories. So she was, she was petrified of public speaking, but she always wanted to share, but she was um, uh, squashed by one of her teachers in school, that a teacher she really liked embarrassed her when she got up to speak this one time. And she had this debilitating fear of ever speaking out in public. Happily married, great mom, debilitating fear. So guess what she decides? She says, I want to enter into a bodybuilding contest, but I'm petrified of going on stage. Well, she was able to watch our brain-a-thon, understand what the fear was doing in her body and how that was a debilitating effect on her taking action. So she started to intercise and guess what happened? She signed up for a bodybuilding contest, even though she was petrified. Then she hired a trainer to help her get in shape. And then she practiced some mental rehearsal techniques that she was taught uh, of being on stage and accepting an award. And eight months later, Sonia Hatter won the bodybuilding championship for her category in her first event ever. And guess what Sonia Hatter is doing now? She is public speaking, teaching people how she stepped into her greatness by recognizing and releasing the fear that held her back.
1: Isn't that amazing? Becoming almost like a subject expert in the thing that once was the thing that was your block. I mean, it's wonderful. Um, I love those stories and from very different, uh, very different perspectives there. Yeah.
0: And we've got, you know, business success, health success. Uh, we have another gal, um, France, Francisca. Francisca, she, um, her parents, uh, when she was getting her driver's license in Basel, Switzerland, when she was a young girl, her mother kept saying, just be careful. Don't get into an accident. Just be careful. Don't get into an accident. Over and over and over again. Her mother was petrified of driving. She passed it on to her daughter. And her daughter, in her first week of driving, got into an accident. She didn't get into a car for 35 years, even though she had a Mercedes sitting outside in the parking lot. She watched the brain a realized, oh my God, this has been holding me back. She sent us a video just recently of her in her car, driving her Mercedes, being so thankful that she was able to get over this limiting belief and these fears. So I can share thousands of stories with you of people that had limiting beliefs that they got from parents, from their own experiences um, or fears or self-image issues where people feel I'm not smart enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not deserving enough they are nothing more than mental constructs or patterns in the brain that when you learn how to recognize them and reframe them, release them and retrain them, uh, you're set free. And that is really what the Brainathon is all about. So I've got world-renowned experts to help.
1: uh, That's an amazing, amazing panel of people you have coming up. And then, so this is an online event, correct? And can you tell us a little bit about just the logistics of me at home wanting to participate? What is that like?
0: Sure. So um, set aside some time in your day. It starts at 9 o'clock on Saturday morning, October the 6th. Um, That's 9 o'clock Pacific, 12 o'clock New York time. And I'm not sure what time that is in Europe or Asia, but 9 a.m. Pacific, Um, 12 o'clock Eastern. And uh, just get on your computer, get a pad of paper ready and pay close attention. You're going to uncover that, number one, uh, everybody has limiting beliefs and fears and everybody has those, but there are ways to let them go. And so you're going to discover how to let them go. And you're going to discover some tools and techniques to retrain your brain and to create a better strategy for yourself to be able to step into the greatest victories and successes that your life has to offer.
1: I know that you are, you know, initially, originally w- was known as sort of the master of intention and creating your own reality. You know, we, we you've done so many interviews on that. Um, one of the things I want to touch on, though, which is probably a little bit tangential to this, and I would just love like you to discuss this, because there's a lot of people out there who... Uh, and regardless of what your spiritual situation is—God or belief or in it or not—I know that you are a fan of allowing room for the unknown, right? You know that I guess the part of the fear and part of this matching reality is. Let's talk a little bit about how. Realistic statistics, these kind of things people throw out. I mean, I've heard something like, well, you know, it's really hard to get a publisher. I don't know, wasn't for me. So I'm one of the people that it wasn't hard for. Like, you know, oh, 50% of new businesses fail. And it's like, well, how about I be on this side? So it's not only turning the tables to the positive, but it's, it's, it's trying to be okay with understanding there might be a way you don't yet know, right? Not defining that how. And we don't have to get into whole law of attraction, you know, lecture here, but I just I think that could open up a lot of people in success if they were a little bit open to the unknown. And for people that aren't don't have faith, how can you get faith in the unknown with if, if you don't believe in a God there? You know, what's the what's your quantum physics or you know, spiel on that? Because I, I wish more people would be open to just the unknown, if that makes sense. Sure.
0: So um, when I was in my early twenties uh, and late twenties, I um, I started to study some of the natural laws of the universe. So what I uncovered, obviously, there's a, a physical universe, you know, that you know of hear, see, smell, taste, and touch that that is pretty easy to get your hands around, and then there's a non-physical universe. So if you think about this, at one point. You know, in our history, uh, we believe that an atom was indivisible. That's what atom means, indivisible. And then we learned that we can you know not only divide an atom but there's more power and potential in the nucleus of an atom hence uh, atomic bomb uh, so there's more power the deeper we go into nature that you cannot see with the naked eye so we use telescopes to look out we use microscopes to look deep in and now we can start to get a bigger picture of the order and intelligence of nature so I personally am not religious, but I'm extremely connected to my spirituality. And all that means for me is that there's an intelligence that gives me life right now. I'm in it. It's in me. I don't have to think about breathing. I don't have to think about moving my hands. You just do. I don't have to think about the trees growing. I don't have to to think about that because nature has got this infinite intelligence within it. So the question that I started to ask 37 years ago is: Is there a way for me to be in resonance with all of the abundance of nature? The Wright brothers didn't discover um, uh, aerodynamics, right? They just learned how to use, they didn't, they just learned how to use what was already here. You know, everything that we're discovering. Um, is from something that's already here. So I ask people a question. I said, let's say you want to hear classical music. You can, uh, you know, take your, your phone, you know, just turn on. There's no wires. You can just tune into a classical music station. Um, where's the music coming from? It's not coming from inside my cell phone. The cell phone has a receiver that's tuning in to a radio frequency for classical music. Well, you can't see it, but we know there's radio waves in the rooms we're in, the cars we're listening to this on in. Well, the receiver tunes in to classical music. Well, what if I don't want classical music anymore? What if I want punk rock? Well, I can go, okay, well, turn the station. Tune into a different frequency that's already here. You can't see it, but the receivers and tuners line up and you can hear that music. Well, we have a brain that's been evolving for billions of years. It is an electromagnetic switching station that tunes in or tunes out of different frequencies. When light travels through our eyes, light is what? energy, right? That energy of what we're seeing, okay, is deciphered by our brain and an image activates on the back of our brain called the occipital lobe. And then we have a meaning for that image. And we know what that is. Same with sound, same with tactile. Well, if you want to achieve Um, the relationship of your dreams to meet somebody that you love, to find business success, to find relationship success, uh, whatever it is, it's already here. Now, here's something most people don't understand, is you cannot say um, 50% of businesses fail, therefore, you know, I probably shouldn't try because your brain says, okay, let me show you that 50%, right? You can't say it's really hard to meet um, the love of my life. And your brain's going to say, Oh, no, no, don't worry about that. I'll make it happen. Your brain says, Okay, I'm going to make it really hard, because that's what you're tuning into. So are you tuning into the how hard it is, how difficult it is, how impossible it is, how it's not meant for you? Is that what you're tuning into? Or are you able to say, Hey, that possibility exists. But so does this, let me focus on this. So when you learn how to tune your attention units, again, you have a brain. You're not your brain. You could teach it to be aware of this and this and this and this could go wrong. Yes, we. Ag- I agree. In the universe we live in, there is a company called the law of polarity. You cannot have an up without a down, an inside without an outside. You cannot have... Uh, anything in the universe, a proton without an electron in balance and equal proportions. We live in a universe of balance and proportions. But what most people don't understand is when you focus on the disempowering or negative, and you keep doing that, then you are training your brain to keep focusing on that. And it deletes and distorts all of the other stuff. That is Um, Something that so many people do. And we live in a universe of duality. So you cannot have this without that. It, It doesn't occur in nature. So can you train your brain to focus on both? This is possible that this may fail. This may not work out. He may be an idiot. She may be a this. Uh, I won't succeed here. And that's a possibility. Okay, now let me flip to how can I do this? How can I find him? How can I do that? How can I achieve that? What knowledge, what skills, what tool, what resources do I need to make this a reality versus that one? Because the truth is the realities of both always exist in equal proportion.
1: And why not tip your hands in the favor of one <laughs> versus the other? Um Yeah. Last but not least, and I'm really excited for the brain-a-thon. I'm definitely going to do it myself. Um, Awesome. uh, Unless you'd like to leave us with anything else. I recently interviewed Ariel Ford, author of Uh The Secret, and she's a friend of yours. And she said, ask John about his affinity for hot sauce. And apparently you're some either expert in it or you're obsessed with I'm not sure. She said, ask him about it. And I thought, okay, well, let's see what you have to say there. You might have some culinary tips for us.
0: Uh, Well, I'm not obsessed or an expert. Uh, When I was a little boy, um, my father uh, is Moroccan from from Morocco. And so um, everything that they ate, they put spices on, hot sauce. And so I just acquired this, love for different hot sauces and so I travel the world and one of the first things that I do is I go and buy hot sauces and it became so much of a passion of mine to as a hobby I started to play around with my sons um, with creating our own hot sauces so I take the flavors that I like And I just throw them in a blender and I have hot sauce parties. And my friends, when they were young, I'm sorry, my kids, when they were younger, used to invite their friends over to say, come on, taste my dad's hot sauce. And we'd have these little hot sauce parties. Like we'll have wine or beer tasting parties and we'd have toothpicks in different levels of heat. And so I just love, I I don't love hot sauces as much. I love um, sauces that are really, really, really spicy and flavorable. So like I put, you know anise, licorice in my hot sauces. I put uh, certain types of, uh, of fruits. Uh, I'll add garlic into my. Ho- I, I like these combinations um, of flavors that are pretty hot for my taste buds. But I also create some for you know friends and family for the holidays that are not you know the brutally hot ones. You just get accustomed to uh, your heat sensors. Um, uh, diminish a little bit as you eat a lot of hot sauces. So thanks Arielle for, for yeah. sharing it's that.
1: You on your, yeah, your obsession with hot sauce. Um, anything else you'd like to leave our audience actually just, well, maybe you can touch on this. What let's say, you know, there's a lot of people who just think life is the way it is. I think the way I am da, da, da and they're, listen, they're bored, they're depressed. There are receptors here to light up that haven't been lit up for years. What if someone's just afraid that they don't want to look at their own stuff? You know, they don't want to get in there because it might be scary in and of itself, like the fear to even join Brainathon. I mean, you know, uh, what would you have to say for those people? Because I, I feel like everybody's got to get there at some point. This inner, inner sizing and, and looking at oneself is, is is the way to happiness, really. Sure. So, I think first
0: and foremost, the Brainathon is just an educational event, just like right now, and so we just have seven experts instead of me. Um, so it's it's really non-evasive. It's really simple. It's easy. We have fun. We do Q and As. We have an amazing chat um, during that. So that's the part about the Brainathon. Uh, but the thing that I would like people to focus on is if you have and keep that attitude you've pretty much sealed your fate that you're going to have more of what you have right now. And my question for you would be this. If there was a safe, gentle, easy way without blame, shame, guilt, judgment, or justification for you to feel safe, to look at what may really be holding you back. Maybe you've suffered traumas in your life, emotional trauma, physical trauma. Um, maybe you've had experiences that have just shut you down, that you have suppressed and, and you've been ashamed of, or you feel like, you know what, um, I just can't deal with this. Um, there's, there's hope and there, there's, there's a way to, to help you out of that gently and efficiently. Uh, in a safe way. And, and I know a lot about depression because my mother's been a manic depressive for 65 years. So I know a lot about suppression. She, uh, had left Romania when she was 11 years old, when the, when, uh, the war broke out and the Russians were invading Romania at the time. And she was traumatized beyond, um, belief in, in holding camps and things like that. And it, it changed and ruined her life. And, um, so what I what I understand is I understand, you know, the fear. I also understand the, the uh, desire to stay in your comfort zone. But I also want to share with you that there's hope and there's a way, you know, for you to feel more expressive versus in a depressed state. And all you've got to do is level up your knowledge and skills a little bit about what may be going on within you so that you can make choices. One of the things that uh, I learned many years ago is, When you become more aware, it's the awareness that gives you the choice. And so what I'd like to suggest for anybody who's hurting, suffering, I understand, Mm -hmm. and put yourself, you know, in a position of having choices to make that are better and safe for you to just make tiny little steps towards being free again, because that's something you deserve.
1: That's very well said. Thank you so much. And everybody, myneurogym.com. We will put everything in the show notes. And also coming up again, uh, the seventh annual Brainathon is October 6th, 2018. So please get on there, learn a little bit more about how to rewire. And thank you so much for spending time with us. We really appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much. So good to see you.
1: So Chris Kelly, Nourish,
0: Balance, Thrive. We're we're talking about health and you're telling me a funny story about your picky four-year-old daughter that won't eat unless there's Primal Kitchen uh, condiments on the table it's true my daughter will not eat unless there's f***ing the primal kitchen Wilder <laughs> it's, it's this cute thing actually she does we have a local state park called Wilder Ranch oh yeah and uh, she calls the ranch dressing Wilder Ranch dressing <laughs> we, 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 there's no way we're going to correct her on that it's just too per... <laughs> it's so, so endearing uh, how old um, is she? she's four. Oh my god so she likes like the mayo on a oh yeah on. she so She loves those so we love them as well we have uh we, we eat them all the time we eat the mayo we eat the balsamic we eat the the ranch um the avocado oil we use all the time and, and so you know that's completely genuine and i don't mind talking about that because you took the pain in the ass out of condiments i really appreciate that what an authentic spot from Chris Kelly at Nourish, Balance, Thrive. And yes, Primal Kitchen, you can call it Wilder Ranch Dressing if you want. <laughs> and uh, we'll send five cents of the proceeds over to that beautiful state park because they're, they're trying to make ends meet in Santa Cruz Mountains. Thank you very much, Chris. <laughs> it's my pleasure.